Welcome to See, Hear, Speak podcast, episode 19. In this episode, I talk with Jody Oliver for a parent perspective on developmental language disorder. Jody is also a clinician and an advocate. This conversation is one in a five-part series on developmental language disorder, known as DLD, released this week in honor of DLD Awareness Day, which this year is on Friday, October 18th. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to check out www.seehearspeakpodcast.com to sign up for email alerts for new episodes and content, read a transcript of this podcast, access articles and resources that we discussed, and find more information about our guests. I also want to thank the many people that helped me produce this podcast. Mary Rasner, who helps me schedule the guests, Bo Bevins, who puts the content on the website, and Allie Hansen, who helps me check the transcripts. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave a positive rating in Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Jody, thank you for joining the See, Hear, Speak podcast to give us parent perspective on DLD. I'm very happy to have you here, especially putting these episodes out for DLD Awareness Day. I'll have you start by introducing yourself. Well, thank you. I'd like to um, thank you for inviting me to participate. My name is Jody Oliver, as you mentioned, and first and foremost, I am a mother of two amazing kids. I can say that because I am their mother. <laughs> My daughter is almost 20, and I have a son who is almost 18. So um, aside from being a mother, I also work as a speech-language pathologist in outpatient neurorehabilitation with adults. Fantastic. Well, I, I feel really lucky because I've gotten to know you a bit through the DLD and me website because uh, we're both co-founding members is what we call ourselves, I believe Carla said. And um, I also have to say, I don't think I've told you this before, but I was very inspired when you spoke at ASHA with Carla and Sean. And I thought that was very cool a couple years ago when you spoke about um, your perspective as a parent and an SLP. And it inspired me to join the DLD and me team and uh, just really glad I got to hear you do that. Um, so you, you said you have a child with DLD. So how did you find out she had DLD? That's a really great question. I actually um, was her primary caretaker. I stayed home and worked nights as a nurse. So I was with my daughter quite a bit during the day. And I noticed that she had difficulty with uh, pronouncing words. And so a lot of people that would come over didn't understand her. I, of course, understood her because I knew her body language and could anticipate what she wanted or what she needed. Uh, but it wasn't until she hit about um, preschool that we decided to have her tested. And of course, articulation and phonology popped up. And, and once that was remediated, the speech-language pathologist tested her for language and indicated that there was a delay there. And so I thought, great, let's get her more services and catch her up to speed and then everything will be great. And it wasn't until she was in elementary school and I was attending a university um, taking classes in, in speech language pathology that I realized one of my professors brought to my attention that it sounds like my daughter has DLD. And of course she participated in one of the studies and he tested her and sure enough, that was when I found out that my daughter had DLD. Wow, so what resources do, did you have at that time when she was diagnosed? 
the internet. I, I was glued to the internet, Googling anything. And then of course my professor, he had quite extensive knowledge and is a researcher in this area. And so I would have conversations with him and he would guide me to other research articles. So that was pretty much the extent of the support system and the, and the resources that I had at that time. So as an SLP, it sounds like you were a nurse and then you went back to get your SLP degree. Uh, what Correct. drove you to get your SLP degree? Uh, my both both of my children have uh, what I call language learning disabilities. That's the easiest way I can explain it to someone who's not familiar with speech language pathology and and language. But uh, my daughter, of course, has DLD, and then my son was diagnosed with autism, and speaking was his most challenging area. He just had such a difficult time uh, verbally expressing himself and making his wants and needs known, and so his his primary mode of communication as a toddler and a young child was sign language and picture exchange communication system. And so I figured I, as a primary caretaker and primary advocate for both of my kids, I needed to learn more about what was going on. And I decided to pursue speech language pathology. And before I knew it, I was graduating with a second bachelor's and loved it so much. I decided to go on and get my master's. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, aren't we lucky then? That's fantastic. Um, how did your training as an SLP inform your parent perspective when you were raising your child with DLD? When I went back to school, my daughter was um, probably in about junior high, uh, late elementary school, junior high, when I was in school pursuing my second bachelor's degree. And I started doing therapy in home with her coming up with my own therapy activities. Now, of course I had to mask it. So it didn't look like therapy because um, if, if I did traditional therapy with her, then she would stop working with me. So I, I came up with activities in the kitchen. Um, she loves to cook. And so I pulled in a lot of different types of activities, targeting language. Functional things like that are such a great way to target language. There's so many verbs, irregular verbs that we targeted in the kitchen, preparing dinner and cleaning up and just connecting with her and having conversations with her. And so it was really great. I learned how to um, kind of sabotage things so that it made her talk more and use different vocabulary. And it was fun. It was a fun activity for us to do together. That does sound fun. And it sounds like because you had to be an incognito, you could do it in a way that helped you just connect with her and exactly. have that conversation, which is cool. That's exactly. very cool. So did she ever catch on that you were doing it? Never. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> That's really fantastic. Not in the kitchen at least, but with homework, yeah, in other areas. But I was good in the kitchen. That's great. Oh, that's really cool. Um, how have you had to advocate for her? Because you have this knowledge about DLD and, you know, especially as a SLP, how did you advocate for her with her teachers and maybe her friends or uh, other no, parents? When she was enrolled in the public school system, I actually went from teacher to teacher and I explained to them the diagnosis and how best to communicate with her and to not only give her verbal instruction, but to make sure that visually she can see it as well. If they ask a question, write the question up on the board so that she can refer to that. Uh, a lot of teachers do not have any awareness of DLD, which is shocking given the statistics of how many children with DLD are in each classroom. And so, um, 
it was it was a little bit challenging. Most teachers were very accepting and appreciative of the information I provided, but some of them were very skeptical and thought that I was just maybe like a helicopter mom and a little bit too paranoid and worried. Mm -hmm. That is so frustrating because they think maybe you're making excuses or something when you're just trying to advocate. But what a great benefit to her. And did she pick up on the advocation, like advocating for herself? Does she do that now? She does. I am happy to say that she is actually out of the home and she completed her sophomore year in college straight A's. Awesome. She, um, she does advocate for herself now. I haven't had to do anything. I just kind of take a back seat and get to watch. And if she needs me, I'm here. But she's living right now in the state of Washington and she's doing great. Oh, that's really, that's so fantastic. Does she know about the advocacy you do for DLD? A little bit. She doesn't know too much at this point. Um, she's pretty busy, so. Yeah, exactly. I remember being sophomore in college or junior, and you're just so caught up in what you have to do day to day. It's hard to know, especially exactly. to know what your parents are doing. That's probably the least you want to do. Um, <laughs> but you have done so much advocacy. You have a video on the DLD and Me website, and you spoke at ASHA. Um, what can you tell us about those experiences and how that's I don't know, motivated you to continue on with, for advocacy? It was fun. I really enjoyed it. I think what I enjoyed most was sharing my story and having that reach out to other parents and other speech language pathologists and connecting with them and letting them know that, first of all, for, for children who are newly diagnosed, for their parents, that they're not the only ones out there and that they don't have to reinvent a wheel, that there are resources out there to help them, even though it's limited when you compare it to other diagnoses such as autism, but that there's hope as well. It's not the end of the world. The child is the same today as they were after they received the diagnosis or before they received the diagnosis, and that because of the diagnosis, it's not going to limit what they can do. There's still a lot of things that they can accomplish with their life. It's not a devastating diagnosis to me anymore. Well, that's very hopeful, I think, for parents, especially I think several uh, parents are just learning about DLD. Even if their child has had some struggles, now because of this advocacy, they're starting to get uh, you know more of the label. And it does seem like um, I'm hoping that we're creating some content that does give parents some hope and possibly some community as well. With each other. Absolutely. I think that community and reaching out and connecting with others is really important. I always, I'm the type of mother who I would research it and try to implement anything that I think might work. And I push and push and push and think I should have done this. I wish I would have done this. And looking back, I realized, you know, I did the best I could with the information that I had at that time. And one thing that I do regret is that I feel like I didn't protect enough, maybe family time, to take off my therapy hat and just be mom and spend time with my child just as her mother and, and forget about therapy for a little bit. That is really such an important point because you're always going to be her mother and she will maybe have other people that support her. You're obviously her biggest supporter, but you don't always have to feel like you're the one that has to do the language stimulation all the time. And because DLD is only one portion of her persona, um, what do you think about when you think about the time you've had with her, different aspects of her that's not related to DLD? Well, my daughter, like I said, is amazing. Um, when I think of 
when I think of her and think of her as a whole person, mm -hmm. that DLD is just one part of her, she's a lot of fun to be around. She has a great sense of humor. She's musically um, inclined. Mm -hmm. She plays the violin and she also sings. She loves to read um, and she loves being in college. She actually told me the other day that she wants to be a neuropsychologist. Oh, and awesome. So as much as I support that, I don't really foresee her being a neuropsychologist, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to encourage her and yeah. support her and hope she explores other options as well. Yes, absolutely. I know it's hard. I'm a mother too. You got to be realistic. And, and we're always thinking about the future income and independence, right? Like just, That's right. <laughs> we can't help. We're mothers. What can we do? We have to think about that. Um, <laughs> so what do you, what do you think um, in terms of the advocacy you've done? What have been some of the barriers, but also what have been some of the facilitators? I think some of the barriers would be, again, just the, the lack of awareness and the lack of, of resources. It's been really difficult. When, when my daughter was first diagnosed, I felt like I was the only mother out there who had a child with DLD, and I felt very alone. So having a, a support system, a sense of community outside of my immediate family, I think that that, that was definitely a barrier. Um, I'm so excited that uh, this website is up, the dldandme.org, and that there's uh, an uh, awareness day of DLD because you know it's more common than autism, and unfortunately, there's less information out there about it. But I've also enjoyed reaching out to other parents and and being a support to them and, and being a sounding board for them. If they have questions, I'm more than happy to sit down with them or have a phone conversation with them and, and, and listen. I find that oftentimes, I think parents just want somebody to listen to them and to validate them and to help them um, not only process what they're going through, but to, again, let them know that they're not alone, that there are other people out there who are in the same boat or, or at least were in the same boat and have experienced it. I think you're in such a unique position too, Jody, because you can you know, you're a parent and your child's older. So you have the long view of what's happened and you have the broader view of parenthood. Um, and also the fact that you're an SLP. So you have the training too from that angle. So I'm sure anyone who gets to speak to you is really lucky from all of those angles. Thank you. You know, I can tell you though, at the time when she was younger in elementary school, it was incredibly devastating to me to have this diagnosis. And it was frustrating because therapy did consume a lot of my time with both of my children, in fact. And when I would come home um, from work, eventually I ended up working days. I switched from nights to days. I would come home and I would spend hours doing homework with both of my children and I was so depleted and I know that they were so depleted. And so looking back, again, something I wish I would have done is maybe talk to the teachers and get homework reduction mm -hmm. or come up with a system so that I wasn't so overwhelmed and my kids were not so overwhelmed. Absolutely. It is so overwhelming because you do feel like the responsibility is on you and also the fear of the future, you know, like, oh, I have to do this now because what's going to happen in the future? And now you have that long view and it's just so valuable now to see that long view. Yes, it's actually a little weird. I'm an empty nester right now. Oh, and wow. I think you know, that's, 
that's a sign of success that mm-hmm. both of my kids are out of the house and thriving. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think that it's what we all want in the future. <laughs> Even though it is sad, I'm sure I'm not there yet. I have a 13 year old. I'm in the stage where I'm like, oh, how many years do we have left? <laughs> it goes by so fast. I, I can't believe I'm an empty nester and that they're out of the house. It's like yesterday they were small and they needed me and now they're gone. So it's it's weird, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And, and also you have so much that you're doing, um, which speaking of, I always ask all my guests. What are you doing now that you're most excited about? I have a lot going on. In my professional life, I am building a program for um, the head and neck cancer population. And my role is to help um, maintain a safe and efficient swallow as individuals go through radiation treatment. And then I also work a lot with chemo brain, so individuals who are affected by um, not just the chemotherapy, but the cancer itself with the cytokines that cross the blood-brain barrier and cause cognitive difficulty. So that's one area that I'm excited about. Um, But in my personal life, I have caught the travel bug and I recently came back from Costa Rica and now I'm headed to India and then Germany. So I've got some trips planned and um, I'm going to become a yoga instructor and wow Jody um, that's so cool you're really you're really taking advantage of this empty nest you're my inspiration I am I'm busy I've got a couple of marathons that I'm uh, registered for next year as well so and we're keeping you busy in DLD and me too so it's all of it you know it's fantastic so glad I could catch you and I really appreciate you sharing your story um, I also I also asked this one question before I forget. What's your favorite book from your childhood or now, or maybe one you read to the children? I remember my mother reading a book to, um, to me and my sister. It was called, I think, The Platypus Duck. And it was about a platypus. And I just remember him always going out and getting ice cream. And every time they got to that page, they would leave the room and I would be in the room by myself because if I saw the, the page with the ice cream, I was always requested ice cream and I could never have it. So, um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's one of my childhood books. One of the books that I would always read to my children though was a Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And I think it's so fitting because even though both of my children have um, diagnoses that, that could potentially be limiting, I truly believe that whatever they put their minds to, they could they could succeed and accomplish. And so the places you go just reminds me, no matter what diagnosis my child has, they can still accomplish things that they, they wanna do in their lives. And, and that's what I'm excited about. It's fun as a parent to start now, to watch now their lives unfold and, and for them to spread their wings and take off and experience things and take charge of their own lives. Oh, Jody, that's so inspirational, and I love that book, too. Um, Dr. Seuss is very special to me as well because I share a birthday with Dr. Seuss. Uh, so oh. it seems like schools now, could pretty, or at least the schools I've been around, a lot of them will do a Dr. Seuss day, and they'll have you dress up as the character. It's always on my birthday, so it's, it's very <laughs> I know, it's really fun, but any, regardless, that book is really fantastic, and I think quite inspirational to those who might be listening, who 
either have a child with DLD or maybe they're concerned that their child might have DLD or they are support for someone with DLD to know that, that there is a lot of hope and more support now. And that book is really awesome. Yes, I would agree. Oh, well, thank you so much, Jody. It was so good talking to you. And thank I you. appreciate you taking the time on the podcast to share your story. Thank you for having me. Check out www.seehearspeakpodcast.com for helpful resources associated with this podcast, including, for example, the podcast transcript, research articles, and speaker bios. You can also sign up for email alerts on the website or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or any other listening platform so you can be the first to hear about new episodes. Thank you for listening and good luck to you making the world a better place by helping one child at a time.